All right, good evening. Good to see you all, your smiling faces tonight, and those who are watching online. Turn my phone down here. I share mine on my Facebook page as I always do. All right, hope you all doing well tonight. It's good to see you all. Those who will be joining us online. The next uh, few weeks, chapters 13 through 16, we deal with the life of uh, Samson. And, um, yeah, the next few weeks, we'll be dealing with the life of Samson. This chapter, we'll be dealing with his, his uh, birth and his calling. Uh, so let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for your word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light into our path. Father, I pray and ask that you fill me with your spirit to teach this text well and send your spirit to illuminate the truths that we will hear tonight. Lord, may everything that we say point to Christ, who is the greater uh, Samson. <clears throat> and let us just be refreshed, Lord, and renewed in our spirits as we study your word tonight. And Lord, forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us, Lord, of all our iniquities. And Lord, help us to walk daily after the spirit and not after uh, the flesh. So Lord, just bless our time tonight in your word. Amen. So as I said, uh, the next few chapters, 13, 14, 15, and 16, deal with the life of Samson. Now before we get started, I know that when you mention the name Samson in the Bible, for most people who have just a passing knowledge of the Bible, one of the first things that will come to people's mind is Samson and Delilah. You know, uh, and, and Samson and his long hair and all that. So that's, that's what most people will have in mind uh, when they think about Samson. Uh, him and Delilah and him and his long hair and, and, and then probably him uh, in the temple when he destroyed the, the, the temple and killed himself with the Philistines. Uh, that's what most people think about with Samson, but there's a lot more to his life than that that we will see. And one of the things that we're going to see is that Samson uh, is a type of Christ. Now, he's not a perfect one, just like no one else in Scripture is. But we sometimes talk about types and shadows in Scripture, like David is a type of Christ as king. In fact, God had made his covenant with David that there will ne never fail to be anyone on his throne. That's why Jesus is called the son of David. Uh, because David is a type of Christ as as king. Um, then uh, Abraham is a type of Christ. Um, so that there are lots of types and shadows of Christ in the in the Old Testament. And so we're going to see this about Samson's life, that Samson was a a type of Christ also. But Christ is also the true and greater. He's the true and greater Samson. He's the true and greater uh, David. You know, like that song we sing, Jesus uh, Christ, the true and better. He's the true and better Moses. He's the true and better Joshua. You know, Christ is the true and better of all of the types and shadows that point to him in the uh, Old Testament. And so Samson, again, is one of those 
who is a type of Christ. And we'll see that as we go through this, this text. So, as we always do, we look sections at a time. So the first thing we're going to look at is the angel of the Lord. And we talked about the angel of the Lord before uh, in previous chapters in this book and also in the book of Joshua. When you see the angel of the Lord in, in your Bible, usually the A is capitalized. Uh, and of course, Lord is. Remember that the angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Christ. Okay, the angel of the Lord was a person. It wasn't like a spirit or a ghost. The angel of the Lord is a, uh, we call it a theophany, which is which means a um, Christ being seen. Uh, so the angel of the Lord is actually the pre-incarnate Christ. Remember, Christ is eternal. He's always existed. You know, John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Christ has always existed. So when we see the angel of the Lord here, we are speaking of Christ. So let's look at our first few verses here. It says here again, the children of Israel, of course, this is after the death of uh, Jephthah and then the two uh, minor judges that came after him. So after this, again, it says the children of Israel did what? Evil excuse me, in the sight of the Lord and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for how many years? <laughs> 40 years. That's a long time. Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. So we begin this chapter as some other chapters that began, as we talked about, Israel gets delivered from their enemies, and then they begin to worship the pagan gods, and then they go into apostasy. So this is the cycle of sin, bondage, and repentance, and deliverance uh, that takes place in the history of Israel. So this time is going to be under uh, the judge of Samson. So... Again, they're in bondage. They're in the hands of the Philistines this time. So, because of Israel's sin and rebellion, God gained their attention again by bringing them into the subjugation or being under the Philistines. And again, all this apostasy was divine punishment. So it says that there's a certain man from Zorah, uh, from the tribe of Dan. So Zorah was a, a town that was about, uh, I think, 14 miles from Jerusalem. And it was in the land in the tribe of Dan. That's why he's a Danite. 
And it says the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now this great angel was no mere angel. Again, this was the pre-incarnate Christ. This angel appeared back in Judges, the second chapter. Verses one through five and also in chapter uh, six. So this basically this angel was Jesus on a special mission. It was a Christophany. Appearance of Christ appearing as a man before his incarnation in Bethlehem. So this is what we call a Christophany. Okay, so this angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Christ. And what we mean by pre-incarnate means uh, Christ before he was born of the Virgin Mary. So this was an appearance of Christ in the form of an angel. And remember this about angels. Angels are created beings. Okay, angels are created beings. So that's something to always remember about angels. They're created beings. But Christ is not a created being. Okay, Christ is eternal. And so this angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Christ. So what does the angel say? You are barren and have no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. So this promise came as a great blessing to this woman who was burdened with childlessness. Because we have to understand this about ancient cultures, uh, you know, that I read. For a woman to be barren and not be able to have children was, was a type of shame in, in ancient times. For a woman to not be able to bear children was a shame to the woman. It was a great shame for a woman to not be able to bear children. So uh, uh, his wife, Manoah's wife, felt really bad about this. So he gives her special instructions regarding this child. Again, he says, be careful not to drink wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. So he, uh, the angels warned her to not drink wine or any other type of wine-like uh, substance. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son now. If you're familiar with biblical language, this same language was spoken in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke to Mary. Luke, uh, Matthew 1, you shall bear uh, a son, his name shall be called Jesus. For he shall save his people from the sin. This is the same, same language, you shall bear a son. So this angel is saying the same thing to her that the angel of the Lord said to Mary. Think about that. So he gives further instructions. He says, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. What in the world is a Nazarite? If you go back to the book of Numbers, the sixth chapter, the Lord spoke to Moses in the first verse, says, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when either a man or woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord. So a Nazarite was a person who was going to totally separate themselves to the Lord. That's what it meant to be a Nazarite. So this vow that uh, the angel was telling her to take was saying that Samson was going to be separating himself to the Lord. So that's why the angel told her. You shall conceive and bear a son and no razor shall 
come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite. That means he shall be given himself in service. He shall separate himself to the Lord. So that was going to be Samson's mission. To separate himself unto God. And the person who separates themselves unto God is someone who God has on a special mission. Okay? So that's why he's taking this. Uh, his mother has to complete this vow when he's born. Now, some people take the Nazarite vow when they're older. Okay? But this one is done from his birth, meaning that from his birth, he was called by God and he was separated unto God for a specific purpose. And we see what was that purpose going to be? He says in the next verse or the next part of this verse. He shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So this is why he was going to be separated unto God. So this again, going back to the numbers reference, number six. Verse three says he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. Hear that language? That's what it said here in the book of Judges. That's what his mother was supposed to do. Not drink wine and similar drink. He shall neither drink vinegar made from wine or vinegar from uh, the similar drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice nor eat fresh grapes or raisins. Why? Grapes, that's how they made wine. Raisins are just dried up grapes. So he can drink any, anything that could make wine. He said nothing that is produced by the grapevine from seed to skin. And it says in verse 5 of Numbers 21, number 6 rather, all the days of the vow of his separation, no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord. He shall be holy. Then he shall let his locks of his hair of his head grow. So, this is where the Nazarite vow comes from. So when under the vow, the people regard themselves especially devoted to God. They couldn't cut their hair. They couldn't drink wine. They could eat no great products. And they had to avoid any contact with anything dead, as the uh, scripture also says in Numbers the 6. I just kind of stopped reading. So he shall be a Nazarite from the womb. Okay, from the womb. So most of the time when, when people took Nazarite vows, they took it for a certain period of time, a specific period of time. But in Samson's case, he was to live under that vow from his birth. So from his birth, his mother was not supposed to cut his hair, period. He wouldn't be going to the barber shop at age one to get his first haircut. <laughs> you know, no. He had to live this vow from his birth. So this vow was intended to be a lifetime vow. And so the Lord gave his, his mom instructions, be careful not to drink wine or similar drink. We talked about that. She had to share in the Nazarite vow during the time that she carried Samson. Samson, rather. So again, why was he to be a Nazarite? Because it says he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. He shall begin to save Israel. That was what he was born for. Excuse me. What does this mean? For us as believers, when God saves us, 
we're separated unto God through salvation. Guess what? God has a purpose for us to fulfill as his people. Just as Samson was called from the womb, we're called from the spiritual womb when we're born again. God, God saves us. We become saints. Remember, saints means being separated unto God. And, and that means that God, we, we're separated unto something. We're separated from something, meaning we're separated from the world, but we're separated unto someone, and that is we're separated unto God to be used by him. So it's kind of the same picture here. So verse 6 says, so what does she do when she sees this angel? Okay, if you saw the angel of the Lord, you're out just minding your own business, and you see the angel of the Lord, are you going to just keep it to yourself? No, you're going to go tell somebody. So who does she go tell? Her husband. So verse 6 says, So the woman came and told her husband, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. So this shows that when he said the man of God came to me, this, this shows that this angel of the Lord uh, appeared generally as, as a man, but his countenance was, was like the angel of God. But his presence was so profound that she did not even ask him where he was from. He did not tell her his name. So this was a very profound impact on this appearance of uh, the man of God that he had upon uh, this man's wife. He was very awesome, as scripture says, so much that she didn't ask any questions about where, where he was from or what his name was because she was so awestruck because the scripture says here, they use the word awesome. The countenance of the angel of God, very awesome. Awesome means to be awestruck, like she was in awe. You know, the thing, when you look at scripture and you look at the encounters that people had with angels, they're always in awe, in reverence. <laughs> Not in worship, because you only worship God. But they weren't like palling it around with the angels, you know, dapping them up and stuff. No, because this was the angel of the Lord. This was Christ. So Christ's presence is awesome. Christ's presence brings awe and wonder. That's how we should view Christ as someone who is, is, is awesome. You know, we say the word awesome, but it's been so overused these days. But Christ is awesome that means he is full of wonder he, he he's the glory of god he's god in the flesh and so for them to experience to see the pre-incarnate christ brings all like you're in such wonder of him that you can't even hardly speak and that's the way it was with her so now the angel of the lord announces the birth of samson in verses 8 through 14 it says, Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O oh my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us 
what we shall do for the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel of the Lord came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. Then the woman ran in haste and told her husband, said, Look, the man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me. So Manoah rose and followed his wife. When he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man you, uh, who spoke to this woman? And he says, I am. Manoah said, Now let the words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor may she drink wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. So, he wanted to hear it from the horse's mouth, as they say. Now, Manoah had already known what God wanted him to do because the angel of the Lord had already told him. He was basically asking for confirmation. <laughs> So he asked, what would be the boy's rule of life and his work? This is important because in ancient cultures especially, boys had vocations. They didn't just sit around and be lazy. They worked. They had vocations. They had purpose. Just as every Christian has purpose in their life. We're called to work for God's glory, work to God's glory. We're not called to be lazy and, and, and shiftless. God calls all Christians to work in the same thing with him. So God honored Manoah's request for confirmation. But you notice he didn't answer the question. He didn't answer this request. What would be the uh, boy's rule of work? Rule of life rather than his work. Do you notice the, the angel didn't answer that question? He simply called Manoah and his wife to obey what God had already told them to do. You know, that's... And when people say that, I preach. Many times we want to know the future. Because again, he asked, what were the boys' rule of life? What would be the boys' rather rule of life? And it's working. In other words, what is he going to be doing in the future? But God was telling him, take care of what's present. Obey what I've already told you to do because he repeated, the angel repeated. Of all that I said the woman, let her be careful. You may not eat anything. So he didn't answer that question. Why? Because what mattered was what I already told you to do now. <laughs> Sometimes we want to know the future. We want to know the plans that God has for us and, 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 and all this stuff, okay? The best thing is to be obedient to God now. The life of a Christian is one of obedience. Present obedience, not future obedience. Not, not looking down the road and forecasting and seeing what's down there and then act. No, we, we obey God now. We keep his commandments now. We, we love and serve God now. We love and serve the, the church now. We, we can't forecast. God is not going to forecast things for us. What are we doing now for God? What are we doing now in obedience to God? That's what matters. What, what are we doing now? And that's what the angel of the Lord was telling 
Manoah and his wife. Obey me. Don't, I'm not going to answer that question right now. You just need to do what you, you were told to do. Exactly. So it says in verse 15, Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you, <laughs> and we will prepare a young goat for you. So he wanted to make a sacrifice of worship. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food, because if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. But Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name? That when your words come to pass, we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name? Seeing it is wonderful. That's something. This angel showed himself to be God. When he said, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. In that instance, this angel... The angel of the Lord showed himself to be God in the sense that he did not need a meal, but he would accept a sacrificial offering unto the Lord because God didn't get hungry. Okay? God didn't need a meal. So he said that I will not eat your food. That's because God doesn't need a meal. <laughs> we can't have a meal for the Lord. But we offer our bodies a living sacrifice. So it says here, but if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. So, yeah, if you want to offer a offering of sacrifice to me, you can do that in worship. But you can't feed me. God can't be fed with human hands. And that's something you cannot be fed with human hands. So. He had to offer, he offered rather to uh, give a sacrifice to the Lord. So this visitor was letting him know that this is indeed the Lord. This is not just some ordinary man. That this is truly the Lord because remember, Manoah didn't know who it was. But he found out when he said that he didn't need his food. So he, again, why do you ask my name seeing that it is wonderful? So here the angel of the Lord shows himself to be Jesus. Taking the name wonderful. And wonderful we find in Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born, to a son is given, and you shall, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called what? Wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So this angel of the Lord is revealing himself as who? Christ. Seeing that it is wonderful. That refers to Christ. Again, this is showing that this angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Christ. Praise the Lord for his word. I love the word of the Lord. Amen. So here verse 19 it says. So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering. And offered it upon the rock to the Lord. And he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. It happened as the flame went up toward heaven from the altar. The angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. When the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. Isn't that something? 
That's something. This wondrous thing that was done showed that the angel of the Lord was wonderful by doing a wondrous thing, ascending in the flame of sacrifice to heaven. Charles Spurgeon said this in a commentary about this verse. He said, the first remark arising out of the story of Manoah and his wife is this, that oftentimes we pray for blessings which make us tremble when we receive them. A second remark is that this, the second remark is this, very frequently deep prostration of spirit, that means bowing down, is the forerunner of some remarkable blessing. The fact that Manoah and his wife worship God. That was a remarkable blessing that happened as a result. They saw the angel of the Lord go up in the flame. Isn't that something? This was a miraculous act. And this this pointed to the divine acceptance of the offering. God, uh, the angel of the Lord was pleased. God was pleased with this offering. It was an acceptable sacrifice. And this points to Christ as being the one acceptable sacrifice for our sins. God was pleased with the sacrifice of Christ when he died in our place for our sins. God was pleased with that. Just as this angel of the Lord, who's the pre-incarnate Christ, was pleased with this offering that Manoah and his wife offered up. So God was pleased with the offering of Christ. That's why Bible says that Christ was the propitiation for our sins. Remember, propitiation means the appeasement. He appeased God's wrath. His sacrifice was sufficient enough to appease the wrath of God. God was no longer angry at those who have received Christ. So it says here, Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. So, you know, for the first time, him and his wife understood that this, this person was not a mere man. He wasn't even a messenger from God. They realized that they had spoken to God himself. This wasn't just a messenger. This wasn't just a mere man. This angel of the Lord was God himself. And they realized that because only God could. Hey, if we try to jump in a flame, we're not, we're not, <laughs> we're not ascending in there. We're going to, we're going to descend and crumble and, and try to, you know, what they say, tuck and roll. <laughs> we won't be able to ascend in the flame. Only God could do that. This is, this is a divine encounter with God that they had so their reaction was, was pretty interesting verse 22 and 23 and Manoah said to his wife we shall surely die because we have seen God and where did they get this from no one can see the Lord and live that's funny but his wife said to him if the Lord has desired to kill us he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands that's true nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have told us such things at this time? 
this reaction uh, of the fear of death is familiar in scripture uh, to those who come into the Lord's presence. Remember, it's all when people, you know, I think about these false churches when they, you know, they, they have these services where they get people all whipped up. They say, oh, the Lord is here. The Lord is here. They'll say that. But there, there's no fear in their hearts. The presence of the Lord, if, if, it's, if they say like it is, it's truly in his place, then their hearts will be filled with fear. And they won't be preaching this false preaching that they're preaching. They will fear judgment from God for deceiving people, for deceiving the elect, for fleecing the flock, for being charlatans. They, they, would, they would fear being false. They would fear lying to people and, 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 and spewing false prophecies. They would fear that if, if, if they say that God's presence is here, they, would, they wouldn't say a word. They would be repenting of their sins. I've been part of church like that. Oh, the presence of the Lord is so thick in here. And people started babbling around, speaking in false tongues. That's not worshipful fear. That's arrogance. When people encountered God in scripture, his presence, they were struck with fear, reverential fear, fear of death. And when we're in the presence of a holy God, our hearts are stricken with fear because we are sinners. So that's why they say we shall surely die. Excuse me. Again, Manoah, he, he, he perhaps thought about what Moses, what God said to Moses. I think it's in Exodus 33. Because it was after the golden calf where, where God told him, uh, you cannot. Yeah, because Moses asked to see God's face when he was in the cleft of the mountain. And God told him, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. But God hid Moses in the cleft of the rock. Manoah feared that because they had just seen the Lord that they would surely die. Rightfully so. Remember, when you're in God's presence, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a fear that strikes you to the core. And like his wife said, huh? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. His wife said she was divorced of reason. You know, if, if the Lord um, desired to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering. You know, she understood that God had not done, uh, had not done so much, uh, you know, for them to abandon them now. So she was a source of encouragement uh, to her husband. He accepted this burnt offering. So the basis of the faith of Manoah's wife was that she knew that the Lord had, had accepted uh, this offering. Now this same principle works for Christians today. This is something for us to be encouraged by. If the Lord wanted us to do evil, or if the Lord rather wanted to do us evil, then guess what? He would have never accepted an offering on our behalf. He would have never accepted the offering of his son, Jesus Christ. If the Lord truly, you know, people say, oh, God is an evil God. God hates me or God hates people. Look, let me tell you something. If God really wants to do us evil, 
he would have never accepted Christ's offering on our behalf. We would still be in our sins if God was as bad as people say he is. And this is what Spurgeon said about this. I love this. Spurgeon said, Brother, if the Lord had meant to destroy us, he would not have shown us our sin because we were happy enough previously, were we not? In our own poor way, we were content enough. And if he did not mean to pardon us, it was not like the Lord to show us our sin and so to torment us before our time unless he meant to take it away. And that's so good. God showed us our sin in order to take it away, not to leave us in torment. Man, the Lord is good. So the last couple of verses here, and this will help us piggyback into next week. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahane, Dan, between Zor and Eschatol. Now the promise of the angel of the Lord was fulfilled. It was proven to be true. It was the same way with Mary. Mary gave birth just as the angel said. Elizabeth gave birth to John just as uh, it was prophesied to her. Hannah had given birth to the prophet Samuel just as the Lord had promised. Sarah had given birth to Isaac just as the Lord had promised her at age 90. When God promises these things, guess what? He delivers. He fulfills. Now, we see the source of Samson's strength is not coming from Samson. It says the Lord bless him and the spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. You know, we, we usually think of Samson as a man with huge muscles, you know, bulging muscles. But other people couldn't realize, figure out why he was so strong. So obviously he wasn't as muscular as people made it seem or drawings, you know, uh, you know depicting him make it seem. It was reasonable to believe that Samson didn't look very strong. But whether he looked strong or not didn't matter. Because it was the spirit of God who made him strong. And that's what we're going to see as we go through these next few chapters. It's going to be the spirit of the Lord who makes him look strong. Who comes upon him. And it is the spirit of the Lord who makes us strong. It is the spirit of the Lord who makes us mighty for battle. It is the Spirit of the Lord who gives us strength to live day to day. To persevere in this world. To persevere in godliness and holiness. To, 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 to persevere in temptation. It is the Spirit of God who gives us as believers the strength to make it from day to day. To deal with the suffering that we have to deal with in our flesh. We thank the Lord for his Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord helps us through our hard days at work. You know, sometimes our days are, are, you know, we had a real hectic, hectic day at work today. I'm going through uh, uh, some training stuff right now, taking up four hours of my day, or three hours of my day, so I don't have a lot of time to get a lot of, a lot of other stuff done, so it, it's been kind of hectic. 
But guess what? God blesses me to make it through each day. His spirit helps me. And his spirit helps all of us to make it through each day. He gives us power. He energizes us. The scripture says, though the outward man perishes, our flesh is going to perish. We're going to get tired. We're going to get weary in this walk, in this Christian walk, and in this life, in this sinful flesh in which we live. That though the outward man perishes, it says the inward man is renewed day by day. Who is the inner man? The Holy Spirit. That's an encouragement to us. And that's what we're going to see um, with the life of Samson. Though the outward man perishes. Paul talked about this in, um, I'm sorry. You just saying something? Mm-hmm. Yep, I mean, we're going to see. Yep, that in Nazarite value, we're supposed to do it. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 16, Therefore, we do not lose heart as Christians. Even though our outward man is perishing, we're getting old. Our skin is sagging. Gra gravity is taking over. Knees begin to, you know, tighten up a little bit, you know, as we, as we, as we try to get up. You know, feet hurt, back pains, headaches, just all types of stuff. We, our, our man is perishing. But he says, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. That is encouragement to us as believers. The Holy Spirit works in all of us to keep us renewed, to give us vigor. That's why you see old saints still persevering. They may be tired in their bodies. They may have back pains. They may be taking 20 prescriptions or whatever the case may be. But guess what? That inward man is still persevering them. Their bodies may be weary, but the Holy Spirit doesn't age. Remember, the Holy Spirit is eternal. He's the third person of the Trinity. He is eternal. He is who gives us eternal life. You know, we have the already, not yet. We have eternal life now, and we will inherit the eternal life when we, when we die, go be with the Lord. But we have that eternal life in us right now. So the Holy Spirit is eternal. He's not a temporary spirit who's just with us until we die. Remember, when the believer dies, our spirits go to heaven. Our bodies remain in the grave until the resurrection of the dead. So our spirits live on forever. Our spirits are on the earth as ghosts. Okay. I had to say that every time. Our spirits either go to heaven, if you're in Christ, or they go to hell. To, to be joined with the body at the resurrection of the dead and the day of judgment. So all that to say, the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson and is going to empower him. And the spirit of the Lord is already on believers and he empowers us. And I think that's a good place to land. Next week, we'll look at chapter uh, 14, where he meets his wife. We're going to look at these chapters little by little. Thank the Lord for his word. And may he bless you all. Amen.